Hello, everyone, to another episode of Insights with Experts. Today, we are joined by Rugby. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, really good myself. Uh, to kickstart things off, I guess, a bit of an introduction of yourself and what you do. Sure. So I'm currently a third-year economics and management student at the University of St Andrews, which, if you don't know, is a small little university in Scotland. Uh, there are three beaches, three streets, a big golf course, and that's about it. Um, but originally, I, I live in Surrey, just outside of London. And um, kind of over the past few years, I've gotten interested in things like venture capitalism, entrepreneurship, um, and sort of dabbled a little bit with like investment banking and consulting as well. So just to sort of kick things off, we wanted to ask you about um, your internships and uh, many places that you've had experience with. And our question is, how do you let yourself stand out amongst other applicants? And how did you actually um, manage to get such great positions to put onto your CV in the future? Yeah, um, I can tell you the the full kind of journey. So when I was like 15 years old, I was really interested in entrepreneurship and I always thought that that's where I would end up. So I began by doing a couple of work experiences at some tech startups. Um, and to get those, I just cold emailed loads of companies. And I think a couple thought like, oh, this, this 15 year old girl is reaching out to us. We should help her out. Um, so I was really lucky with those and there they introduced me to different founders and they kind of showed me a, a, a nice working environment and that kind of showed me the, the potential of internships and how much you can learn outside of the classroom by doing those. So when I got to university, most people kind of said to me like, oh, you don't need to be interning until at least your third or fourth year. but I thought like, you know, I have a, a full three month summer ahead of me. I should be kind of doing different things because that's the best way to learn. So I um, did an internship at a private equity firm called Sandbox and Company. Um, and there I helped them come up with a strategy for their, uh, for launching an app in the Middle Eastern market and helped the, with their pricing of that. Uh, and that kind of through consulting experiences that I'd done at university, I was able to use those skills. Um, and then I also applied for a summer internship at the Institute of Economic Affairs, which is a free market think tank. Um, and that was also a pretty casual application. It was just a CV and cover letter. Um, and there I met so many different people from across the UK that had had really kind of great experiences and went to um, universities where the internship culture was much more intense than it is at St Andrews and so that kind of motivated me further to pursue um, like elite opportunities a little bit more. So the following year I applied to some spring week programs and the first ones kind of opened up applications in like June um, and I applied and I, you know, I, I got a few rejections and I sort of looked back and I thought like, oh, I don't actually know how to build like a good CV, write a good cover letter. 
uh, do interviews and things. So I spent um, a lot of time that summer kind of reading up on like how you should uh, do an application and um, making sure that every sort of element of that process was kind of perfect. And I thought that that would also really help in the future. So um, I, I improved my like application skills and I ended up getting spring weeks in investment banking at City, uh, Deloitte and McKinsey. And a spring week is essentially like a one week introduction to a firm, but um, they tend to kind of convert the spring week programs into summer internships. So they are really useful. And through that, I ended up getting a summer internship at City in investment banking for the summer. Um, but I wanted to kind of continue recruiting. So I applied to some other investment banks as well. Um, and I ended up kind of getting to interview an assessment center stage for a few, but eventually got an offer from Molis and Company, which is a, a boutique firm. And then I was deciding between the city offer and that, and I sort of thought that um, a boutique might be a better experience for me, given that I like entrepreneurship and small firms. Um, but then I also kind of decided to apply for consulting just for the heck of it, um, because I thought like that suited my business interest. So I applied just to BCG and McKinsey just to kind of see if like, I could get either and I ended up getting an offer from BCG so that's where I will be interning this summer. Just as a quick follow-up on a, uh, a topic you touched on which was that when you initially applied you were still figuring out how to best position yourself in terms of your CV cover letter and things like that and you mentioned that you read a bit and you researched and over time you developed uh, that kind of ability and stuff. So the follow-on question would be, do you then have any applicable tips for our audience who are youth, who are looking for such internship opportunities? Uh, some of the tips that you've discovered and learned? Yeah, definitely. I think the number one thing is to ask for as much help as you possibly can. So sign up to organizations that will review your CVs and cover letters, reach out to older alumni, who might have secured um, internships and things in the past and ask them to give you advice and help you out um, and review your material. Uh, beyond that, you should also look into high level sources. So kind of target the most competitive jobs and positions and make sure that your CV and application is good enough for them because if it's good enough for them, then if you just fall short, then you'll end up somewhere else really great as well. Um, in terms of like more specific advice, things like with your CV, make sure that it is really kind of um, uh, numerical heavy. So use, use numbers everywhere you can, uh, make sure that um, you kind of position your experiences in a way that show your achievements rather than just what you did on the role you don't want it to read like a job description. And I think the final thing is just making sure that you do have things to put on your CV and talk about in interviews because it's all you know well and good to know how to write an application, but if you don't have anything to put into it because you haven't been engaging in things outside of your courses and your studies, then 
um, there's nothing really that you can do about that. So the next question that we wanted to ask is leading into um, adventure and your work with that. Um, so what led you to join that and um, what does adventure do? Sure, so I just discovered Adventure through LinkedIn. Um, I'm at St Andrews and Adventure was founded by a group of Edinburgh University students, which is just sort of an hour away. Um, so I decided that it would be a really good opportunity to get involved in a student run accelerator program so that I could kind of see the entrepreneurship side and the venture capital side up close. Um, and I was looking into starting my own accelerated program on campus and I thought that um, maybe being a branch manager for Adventure instead might be a, a better way to do that because they had a, uh, an established program already. Um, and then I ended up kind of joining and, and now I'm head of fund there. So I'm helping them to raise a fund and uh, kind of secure some money to give out to the startups. But in terms of what Adventure does, it's a student-run um, accelerator program for student-run startups. Um, so we're currently, uh, we currently have around um, 26 universities uh, giving us kind of students. And there are three people that we accept into the program. So one is people that have already started their startup and are maybe at pre-MVP stage. Another is a student with an idea, but not a team to kind of help them with that. And then finally, just a student who's passionate about uh, being part of such a project, but doesn't have an idea or a startup. And then we match different people together uh, in the first week. And then it's a 10 week kind of program with mentors, uh, guest speakers, and a final demo day with investors. Um, to ensure that the UK startups can kind of um, have a point where they can continue to succeed and it's not just like a short term side hustle. Touching a bit about your experience, both on the startup side of things, interning with them, and also on the investment side, boutique firms, uh, VC firms, do you have any advice for student entrepreneurs on how to find market fit, on how to eventually, on how to go to market, and how to find the addressable market, serviceable market, and things like that? I think it's really a case of um, iterating. Like you just need to kind of see it like you need to get something out there you need to see if people are a willing to be a free customer and be willing to be a paid customer and once you get your sort of first 10 customers and they're saying oh I love this that means that you probably have something worth kind of um selling whereas if you find that you know, the only people that are interested in your product are your friends and family because they have to be. And even they're not so passionate. You need to go back to the drawing board, um, fix any mistakes and go back out. So I think it's just about speed changes and ensuring that um, you eventually reach a point where people are saying like, I need this and um, this is a product that I'm willing to pay for. So just touching back on sort of your sort of beginning and where you started from, um, 
you are a full-time student. So uh, for other full-time students, just like myself, for example, what are your tips on managing university work and sort of finding your future pathways as well? Uh, so in my first year at university, I was basically just concentrating on my studies. I was part of a few extracurricular activities, but no major leadership positions. And I just found that I was very bored because I thought that I could be doing so much more with my time than I actually was. And I, I've been lucky in that I've I haven't necessarily encountered any huge hurdles academically. So like I haven't had to spend ages on any of my classes. And I think that um, I, like having that balance is good for me. Um, and I'm also the type of person that likes doing a lot of things. And I think it almost helps me because when you do have so many different things to manage at the same time, you're more prone to think about the time management and be efficient and apply that like 80-20 principle um, and just kind of get things done. Um, whereas if you just do a couple of things, then you're probably much more likely to procrastinate over them and, um, and like be lazy about it. So I think it's not a case of not signing up to doing loads of different things. It's just about going for everything that you're passionate about and making sure that you do each of them wholeheartedly. Touching a bit about the VC space, uh, what do you think is the future, I guess, of the VC space, investing space, especially with, I guess, based on the current situation, the multiplying of EBITDA and of revenue are reaching a strong amounts both in the private market and also in the public market so I guess as an investor and as a scout and acting on behalf of VCs what do you say to founders looking for 10x 20x evaluation of current revenue I think that that is almost an indicator of the fact that so many people are interested in venture capital now and there's a lot of capital, but not necessarily that many startups. And so the startups that do end up getting funding are startups that can ask for so much funding because so many people are willing to fund them. It's not an issue of whether you can raise at a, a certain multiple, but it's a question of whether you can raise or not. Because if you are investable, then you won't have an issue getting the investment, if that makes sense. Um, but, oh, oh sorry. I was gonna oh, say like, <laughs> more on the trends in VC side of it. I think that um, there are a couple of shifts in the industry, one from a, a founder's perspective, I think that um, there's a lot of like new emerging kind of subsections of the economy so for example uh the passion economy which is about people finding their you know niche hobbies and interests and figuring out what they want to do um there's also new trends like nfts and digital art and um virtual land and things like that um, and i think that's going to be huge and really kind of change the the sorts of things that people are building and the scope in which they're building them into the future. 
And then on the VC side of it, I think that um, venture capital as a space will become much more um, kind of normal to get into because I think I, I, I know so many American people who um, discover it quite early on, but at least in Europe, I think that people just happen to fall into it at a later stage if they've um, done like the right steps to get there. So if they started out in investment banking or consulting or something, then it works out. But you don't know that you need to go into those at the beginning to get into venture capital because you don't know about venture capital at that early stage. Um, and I think also like generally the, the diversity and the um, kind of different backgrounds and perspectives of people within the industry will change. Like right now, I think in the US at least, venture capital seems like a space that has um, people from all sorts of backgrounds, but uh, they, they tend to focus on people that are founders Whereas in the UK, at least, um, they prefer people with prior consulting or investment banking experience. So I think we'll kind of see what is better and then the industry will kind of go towards that. I just wanted to quickly go back to your application process and the process of getting internships. So we can all agree that, you know, 2020 was quite a difficult year for all of us. Um, how did you see sort of the change of um, internship applications and that process due to the pandemic and um, what is your sort of predictions on what it's going to be looking like over this summer perhaps? I think um, a major change from the pandemic was that because everything was virtual it really increased accessibility um, to the application process for so many different people. So typically St. Andrews isn't necessarily like a target university where a lot of employers come and um, kind of recruit from or give presentations about. And so it's possible that I wouldn't have heard of all of these opportunities. Whereas because everything went online, it meant that everyone could find anything hosted by anyone. Um, so I think that people who were kind of driven to look could find everything much more easily um, so that probably increased the number of applications as well especially from those driven students so I would say it was probably a, a more competitive year for that reason I've also heard of a lot of firms either cutting their internship programs or reducing the intake of candidates this year um, so again that made it a little bit more competitive um, but I think moving forward, another good thing about the pandemic is that virtual interviews have meant that you don't necessarily have to like travel to the head office. Um, and so, you know, if someone from St Andrews who is eight hours away from London, it means that I could apply to a lot more firms because I wouldn't have to worry about traveling and um, using up kind of term time to, to be interviewing. Um, so I think that that's kind of a good change that will hopefully stay. Um, speaking of applicants, one of sort of the questions that I have for you is as a woman in investment and tech, um, do you find it um, sort of difficult or do you see um, a good amount of diversity in that sense in um, internships and sort of that sort of area of work? 
So I think that um, the investing space, tech, consulting are all industries that are being pushed to embrace this change. So for example, on my city spring week, they emphasized many times that over 50% of the cohort was female. And I think that these gender quotas and things are things that these big companies are really having to take seriously. So I don't think that there's necessarily a, an issue of women at those lower levels anymore. It's more when you get to the board level or even just below that, that you might find that most of the people are still male. Um, I think the issue is more in the other industries and the smaller firms where they don't, they aren't pressured to kind of take more women and they aren't, they don't necessarily have the recruiting ability to uh, ensure that they get loads of women applicants. So that's where you might find more male dominated firms. Along the same line, what do you think is the industry's view of youth, I guess, younger founders, student founders? And you mentioned it briefly about the difference between the way the US VCs or US investors view the investability of youth founders versus people with more experience. What do you think it's, what, what's your opinion, I guess, on the investability of student founders? Sure. So I think there are two sides to this. One is that uh, students have a unique insight into Gen Z, um, which is a, you know, huge emerging space and um, companies are investing so much money to be able to get those insights. And so if a student at a university is able to build something that has product market fit and um, does well, then uh, I'm sure, you know, lots of investors would be running after them. Uh, but on the other side, there are a lot of issues with student founders. And I think the main one is that it's very difficult to ensure that a student founder will be committed. So if you are a full-time student, I think a lot of investors would hope that you will drop out if you receive investment. And not all students are willing to do that. Um, and then the other issue is that even if you do kind of spend loads of time focusing on your startups, these big corporate firms in investment banking and consulting and things um, are also looking for entrepreneurial people. So how do you differentiate the person who is um, looking to be able to put VC back startup on the CV to get one of these big corporate jobs um, and eventually leave that business versus the people that are actually in it for the long haul? So speaking of universities, um, I just wanted to ask, uh, do you think that the university experience helps in sort of shaping you as an entrepreneur, as um, someone that's going into internships? Do you believe that um, the university does enough and has enough sort of um, background and help to sort of lead you onto that pathway? Or is it more of like a personal preference and people should sort of make up their own pathways and not really rely on universities in that sense? I think that this is something um, which makes the specific university you're at so important. So uh, I'm a scout for Open Scout, which is a startup that connects investors to startup founders. And I'm the only scout in the UK, the rest go to uh, universities across the US. Um, and 
I have like weekly kind of calls with them and I find that when they talk about the entrepreneurship scene on their campuses it is so much more advanced than anything I've seen in the UK um, and there are so many entrepreneurship clubs and accelerator programs and uh, funding and things like oh, a girl from Stanford was telling me that after their first year computer science class they have a showcase and um, after the showcase you have this whole swarm of venture capital investors from Silicon Valley come and um, cut, like try and encourage the kids to drop out and just like start their company and obviously you do not see that in the UK um, but I think that it is evolving fast because um, at least from a, a VC side of it, so many VCs are looking to expand into the that into Europe because there are a few uh, unicorns and things coming out of the European market at the moment. Um, so I think once they move, then it will also encourage people to kind of think about um, entrepreneurship a little bit earlier here. And then that will also nudge universities to make those provisions to help students get into those competitive accelerator programs and things. Because right now, if they don't necessarily exist, then what's the point in pushing students to be entrepreneurs when the university could say like, oh, X number of our alumni have gone into these big corporate firms instead. I've got a three-part question following up about what you were talking about in the difference between the startup uh, space, especially for students in the US and the UK. And so the first part of the three-part would be one, what do you think is the cause of the difference? Is it that the US started early? Is it that Silicon Valley and stuff like that propelled their progress further? Two, do you think the UK will eventually catch up? And three, what can the UK do uh, to catch up both on a government level, both VC level, both founder level, and whatever policy decisions in between. So beginning with the first part, um, I think it is partially a cultural difference. So I think that in the US, um, especially in school, you're much more um, persuaded to be doing a whole like swathe of extracurricular activities and things on top of your studies so that um, you can be a much more all-rounded person. Whereas I think in the UK, there's much more of like a specialist nature and it's um, kind of a funneling process. So you should be um, like narrowing down the number of GCSEs you take, the number of A-levels, and then you end up doing one subject at university. And so, you don't have that same sort of like breadth of learning and perspectives as you do in the US. So like when you speak to US students, they're like, oh, I was um, sitting in a philosophy class and I came across this idea even though I'm a computer science major. Whereas in the UK, because everyone is so focused on academia and that one specific um, subject they're studying, they don't necessarily think about it entrepreneurially, which is about combining different things, but they're just thinking about that one sort of thing that they're learning. Um, I think also it really does help when there's a lot of other founders and entrepreneurial people on campus. So it's a um, 
a case of encouraging some people to do it and then others will follow. Um, in terms of whether I think the UK will catch up, I think it will definitely improve. And I do feel that universities are becoming more and more entrepreneurial over time. Um, at least on my campus, they're just building a new entrepreneurship center with an accelerator program. Um, and so it shows that they do believe that entrepreneurship is increasingly important. Um, and I think also students are seeing these like big companies do so well in entrepreneurship. So as more kind of founders become successful and people are reading about them on the news, then they aspire to be founders. Um, so that kind of helps with the motivational side of it. Um, and then finally, in terms of what I think the UK can do to catch up, um, I think that it's a case of encouraging students to be um, all-rounded as well, like in the US, um, rather than so specialised. Although a lot of the best UK startups are actually quite specialised, like they are currently kind of um, very PhD driven and um, scientific and things. But I think to encourage a real scope um, in startups and who can be a startup founder, you need to be able to say that anyone can do it and you don't need a PhD to be able to do it. Um, and I think things like um, maybe like more awards, grants and um, attribution for, for people who are starting successful startups will help in kind of um, speeding up that process. So just to wrap up this interview, we ask this question, every guest that comes on here, and it's if you could leave the youth with one piece of advice, what would it be? I think you should be curious and just do the things that you love. Don't do anything for the sake of the next step. Just pick the opportunities right now that will give you the most joy because that shows what type of person you are and that will eventually lead you into the right place. I, I get involved in so many things and none of them are for any reason other than I think that they're the best kind of opportunities and um, choices that I could make at that time based on what I'm interested in and what I love. And that has served me so well because it helps you to figure out what kind of person you are, what you're interested in and where you want to be. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening in. This podcast has been brought to you by Desera, a platform designed to bridge the gap between the youth and professional. You can read more about us at desera.org. And you can also check out the section titled Insights with Experts, where you can submit your questions that you might have for future experts and industries that you would like to learn more about. And you can also refer in any experts that you might know yourself.